Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 44. All aboard! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is all about trains, specifically trains in Colorado, but I'll talk a little bit about other trains, too. You know, I'm still going strong in a the house moving project we're getting the house ready we're super close but still taking up tons of time so unfortunately there hasn't been as much time for gaming i did manage to get in a few games of silverton in which is really neat it was fun to be able to to do that and you know get ready for this episode because this is a game i've been wanting to because this is a game i've really been wanting to look at for a long time so let me start with the news first up there's a couple games on kickstarter that i came across i haven't been spending a lot of time there either. Both of them are Lovecraftian games, more or less. The first one is called The Cards of Cthulhu. It's published by DVG, Danvers and Games. This is a, a game for solitaire or multiplayer. And the the way the Kickstarter mentions it, it, it starts saying this this is a solitaire game. But then there's also I think it supports up to four players. It's going for starting at $35 for a copy of the game or $10 for a PDF for the game. And the art looks really nice. The game sounds sort of interesting, but I've committed to so many other things currently, I think I'm going to stay out of this one. And I kind of hate the name, Cards of Cthulhu. But anyway, it is a pretty interesting sounding game, so do check it out. The next one I saw is Incredible Expeditions, The Quest for Atlantis. Uh, didn't spend a lot of time looking at this one. It looks like it might be some sort of steampunkish game. Um... And it does say you battle Lovecraftian horrors or something like that. And it's, uh, the buy-in for this one is starting at $45. But for a lot more money, you can get some pretty neat-looking deluxe edition with wooden boxes and stuff like that. The only other item of news I happened to write down this time was that the next expansion for the Lord of the Rings card game is now available. It's the Assault on Osgiliath, and I believe it is the third expansion in the current cycle. Oh, I do have a fourth item of news, I guess. I was at the game store today, and they just got copies of Forbidden Desert, which is uh, the sequel to Forbidden Island, which is based on Pandemic, more or less. Apparently it just came out yesterday, so there we go. Late breaking news. Okay, so I said I'm going to talk about train games, uh, a little bit of general overview on train games. You know, I would have loved to have done more research on this and spent more time thinking about it, but it just wasn't possible. Train games are basically games about trains, and they generally deal with delivering cargo or running the business. There's all sorts of train games, and there's a few that support solitaire play to one level or another. I'm going to mention the few I do know. First up is Bindle Rails, which is designed for solitaire play. I played it years ago. I don't remember it well at all. Somewhere I think I still have my cards. I'm pretty sure I don't have the boards for it anymore. It's a print-and-play game, and I got the cards through ArtCow. If I remember right, this game is more about managing the company and buying different technologies to help you do better. And the rail lane and cargo delivery is pretty abstracted. Next up is Steam or Age of Steam. Um... I know there's solitaire expansions for both of these. There's a there's at least two designed by Ted Alspech, uh published by Bezier Games, that support soli- or are actually designed for solitaire play. I know there's a few print and play ones that are for solitaire play. There's at least one for Age of Steam and one other for Steam, and they're both different. 
I think I tried the Age of Steam one once using Steam because that's what I own and it didn't really work well. But so, you know, and this is a game mainly about laying the tracks and delivering the goods. Uh, the next one up is Silverton, which is the game I'm going to talk about today. This game is for one to six players. In this one, you're laying tracks, you're investing in mines, mining, and delivering the goods. But I'll talk more about that one later. The next is Empire Builder and other Crayon Real games. These are published by Mayfair, just like Silverton is, and also like Steam now I think about it. These are games about lanes, tracks, and delivering goods. And these are a little bit different because, as I said, they're all Crayon Real games, which means you're actually drawing with crayons on the board. You're drawing your tracks. There's, I don't know, there's maybe a dozen games in the series already. You're close to it. They're all different parts of the world geographically. There's a... Empire Builders in the U.S., there's Euro Rails in Europe, there's British Rails, there's China Rails, Nippon Rails about Japan, India Rails, there's one on the moon, there's one on Mars. Um, so there's quite a few. They're all basically the same, but a little bit different based on the geography, and some have extra rules here. And they're like, I know the India Rails game has some rules about delivering pilgrims and stuff like that. Or transporting pilgrims, I should say. And then there's the 18xx line of games. I know there's some variants for at least one of those. I've never really looked into it. I don't own them. Unfortunately, I can't say much about those games. But if you do own them, you know, look into that. Because apparently you can play those solo. And there's some pretty decent solo rules for at least one of them. So that's really it. That's as far as I got. I know there's a couple more solitaire train games. But I am entirely unqualified to talk about them other than to say they do exist so what's the big deal about train games i you know i don't know but i really like the idea of train games the whole idea of you know laying the tracks and connecting the cities and slowly building up the money to build more and more and then delivering the goods to me just seems really cool some people think it's dry i don't know some like it and i guess for me it goes back really to, to when i used to have my amiga computer i think where i bought Sid Meier's Railroad Tycoon, the the original one, and in that one you're laying tracks, connecting the cities, and each city had different businesses around it. And for example, if there was maybe farms, let's say, the farms might deliver the animals to a slaughterhouse or to a wool factory or whatever. So you had to connect the industries that were related to each other, and then ultimately delivering stuff to the people it was really neat it was really detailed and you even managed the uh, the market in that game buying and selling stock so it was very detailed just a lot of fun and slowly you know you played over years and slowly the kind of trains you could get evolved and you started with depending on which game you played with or which scenario you played you could start with a really really basic early engine to get as late as uh, bullet trains in Japan and that sort of thing and there's been at least three of those. There's the, the original Railroad Tycoon. There's another one that came out later with much better graphics. And I, I bought that one. I like that one a lot. But I still think the original is my favorite. The second one, actually, my copy brought a, a CD of the music that came in the game. And I actually listened to that once in a while because I really enjoy that train music. I think I had the third one. And I don't think I really got into it. It got more into... 3D trains and that sort of thing. I think it had lost a lot of the the depth of the original games. So uh, yeah, I think that's where my original fascination with train games comes. It's with all having played on the computer and just having a really neat time with it. 
So I think that's it. I think that's all I could say about train games in general. Um, that means we're going to jump into the Silverton next. Okay, maybe we shouldn't have jumped into Silverton. It's actually kind of a small box. This game was designed by Philip J. Smith. The original version was published by Two Wolf Games and released in 1991. It was later republished by Mayfair Games in 1999, and I believe it's still in print. Silverton is still available, and you could get it directly from Mayfair, for example, for $45 MSRP. Uh, the game is listed with a playing time of 240 minutes, 6 hours... Uh, Four hours. It really depends on the number of players. A solitaire game, I think it goes about as fast as 45 minutes. The longest one I've played has been about an hour and a half. The time depends on the scenario. The more players you add, the much longer the game gets. I played it, I originally bought mine in about 2005, and I played a game with my brother one time. And I felt like it took forever, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I think we played probably for four hours. And some of that was just learning experience, and some of it was just, I guess, going slow, maybe not knowing the best strategies. I have no idea. But it was really, really neat playing that with two players. And actually, I think, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I actually think that the game is probably best with three players or even four or more. Um, it's all right with one. It's pretty cool with two. But then when you get to three or more, there's a lot more of the interactions that are going to start coming up that are missing in the solitaire or two-player version of the game. Anyway, so let's talk more about the game. The game is about railroading in the Colorado Rockies in the age of steam. Um, I'm not actually sure what time period it is, but it's probably during the gold rush and that sort of thing. So probably the 1850s-ish. So in this game, you're basically building rail, connecting different cities. You're you're prospecting mines, so you could, you're looking for gold or silver, coal, lumber, which is probably not really a mine, but still you're kind of prospecting a a profitable area for lumber or something like that and you're delivering the goods you're also building passenger routes and then there's some negotiation and that sort of thing that could happen in the game again if you have more than one player that's basically what the game is about um what you get is a board a bunch of paper money if you have two wolf edition you get counters for the different things you find the or mine if you have the Mayfair edition, you have plastic chips. And then both of them have a lot of cards for the mines, for the passenger routes, and for the trains, which are using the advance rules. Generally speaking, the way the game works is each turn you're going to play your prospector and your surveyor. On The prospector is going to go on, the, on a card. You, you'll have one or more prospectors depending on the scenario you're playing. So each prospector will go on one card, and each surveyor that you have, again, you may have one or you may have more, depending on the scenario, will go on a different part of track. You know, and generally you're expanding your network, so you start, generally speaking, you start in Denver. So you're going to be going from Denver out, and you got to keep your tracks connected. You, you're going to pick where they go, the prospector will, and, and then you'll pay for whatever they do, and you'll build your track, which is basically putting a little cube on the city, and I guess that depends on what edition you have. On the Mayfair edition, you'll put in a cube. On the two wolf edition, you'll put a chit to mark that you have control that tra that route or that segment of track between two cities. Um, anyway, I'm going to stop differentiating between the two wolf and Mayfair edition just to keep it simpler for myself, because I'm, otherwise, I'm sure I'll say things that are not necessarily accurate. Um, so you do your prospecting, you get your card. You could either prospect 
on a passenger route if you already have those two cities connected um or you could prospect one of the mine cards there's eight face up and there's also always eight passenger routes face up i should mention that or you could prospect on the deck of mine cards if you don't really like anything that's available then you could go ahead and do mining for that you roll paradise and then you look in a chart in the car on your mine card they'll tell you how many items or whatever that card represents you mine if you roll low enough then that mine becomes depleted and it doesn't offer any more resources however you can still deliver whatever you already mined after that you get paid for passengers and then there's a chart that shows you what resources are worth you roll for each of the resources on that chart to adjust them up or down and that's the end of the turn that's a quick rundown of it it gets a little more complicated but that's generally the game right there and so it gets more complicated for example the mine cards are always for a specific mine at a specific location at a specific city so you have to connect track to get to that city to deliver those goods oh i forgot to mention that part you actually get to deliver the goods uh, and you'll get paid based on how many resources of that type you deliver and how much they're worth at the time. The passenger routes are also for two specific cities. The card costs some amount, but then it pays out every turn as long as the routes are available. And then the resources, for resources, you're rolling a D6 or 2D6 and looking up a chart to see if the marker goes up or down, if the value of that resource is going to go up or down. As the game progresses, you're going to keep rolling lower because there's a modifier that gets higher as you're going along. And anyway, as the game progresses, you're going to find that prices are generally going to be going up gradually. If you sell resources, that also modifies your die roll. So the more stuff you sell, the less likely the prices to go up. And as a matter of fact, it's more likely to help lower the price of the resource. There are also advanced rules for this game. In the basic game, you could deliver all the resources from t up to two mines each turn. So if you have like 12 gold, you could go ahead and deliver all 12 anywhere. And then pick a second mine and deliver all the resources in that one. In the advanced game, you actually have train cards with different capacities. And, you know, the higher capacity trains are worth more and cost you more and can deliver more. If you have only small trains, you might find you can only deliver one or two resource chips each turn. There is also winter turns in which certain track segments are closed if they're too high up in the mountains. Now, I don't know if you know much about Colorado, but it is very, it's kind of deserty, and it's up in the mountains, and there's parts that are very wooded and parts, I think, that are a bit deserty. But you're generally up a few thousand feet in, above sea level, you know, and, and the peak's obviously going to be higher. But I drove across the country one year, and that's it's one of the things I remember. I was surprised that you're actually so high up. And as a matter of fact, I was moving from San Francisco out here to where I'm at now, in Greenville, and we got caught in a blizzard, and the interstate was closed because of the snow. And we stopped in Gallup. I think it's actually in New Mexico where we stopped. Well, yeah, we stopped in New Mexico, in Gallup, New Mexico, but it's actually on the map of this game. Every time I see the, play this game and I see Gallup, it reminds me of that road trip. But anyway, yeah, it's really high up in the mountains, and snow definitely could affect things like closing down tracks. So... The game is divided into a number of turns. Every fourth turn is winter, and tracks that are white cannot be used in the winter. Now, if you're playing the advanced game, those white tracks can be used in the winter if you buy a snowplow, or might be usable in the winter. So that's that's 
pretty generally how the gameplay works. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to get into that much more. Um, let, me, let me take a second here and read the dedications from both the original and new edition of the game. In the 2 edition published in 1991, the dedication reads like this. This game is dedicated to my wife, Dory, who supported our family while I worked to publish this game. Special thanks to my father for giving me the idea that led to the creation of this game, and to my brother, Tim, whose extensive help with the development and playtesting was indispensable. Many thanks to the following people for playtesting this game and providing many helpful suggestions during development. And it goes on to list uh, about seven or eight people. Here's a dedication from the edition, from the 1999 edition, and actually this dedication was written in 97. This game is dedicated to Phil Smith who combined his love of gaming and his love of railroading to produce the original edition of Silverton. The original edition included a note, this game is dedicated to my wife Dory who supported our family while I worked to publish this game. Silverton was, after our son Sean, his pride and joy, and he would be honored by its reissue and proud that so many fans still hold it in such high esteem, Dory Smith. Um, apparently Phil Smith passed away in 1994, just three years after the game got published. And he was, you know, he wasn't even 40 yet. So now, and every time I've looked at this game and look at the dedication, which is right on the front page of the rulebook, and it's basically the only text in the front page of the rulebook, it makes me kind of sad. But then as I'm playing the game, I, I, I appreciate the amount of detail that's gone into this game. Um, it is obviously, this guy really did put a lot of effort into the game, into the realism of it. All the cities on the map are there, and you get a sense that the map is pretty accurate. There's distances from each city to the other which are used in the gameplay. Each of the mines is located at specific cities, and I get the impression that those are the resources that really were mined in that area. So, for example, a part of the country that was very deserty is not going to have lumber. You know, and obviously this game was, was made with a lot of love, and is probably a lot more simulation than game. So as I play this game, I really enjoy feeling the history of it. You know, like, it, it gives me a sense of what, you know, a very abstractly way, it gives me a sense of what life was like back during the time that this game is set in. And, you know, uh, the fact that certain tracks are just unavailable part of the year and that different things were getting mined and it was a boom town everywhere and the value of the resources kept going up and up as people started finding more and more things and as the game progresses. So I think that's one of the things I really enjoy about this game is the the history that's that's snuck in there and not there yelling at you and obviously in your face, but you know it is in the game and influences a lot of the how the game works. Now another thing worth noting here, this game actually you know, it has the basic rules, but then it's divided into scenarios and I think there's about a dozen scenarios in the book. And five of them support solitary play. I think a couple, or maybe a little more than five. Some of the games are shorter than others. Some start in different locations. Some use more advanced rules. Some require the advanced rules. Some don't. I've only played two of the scenarios. The the basic short and medium scenario. I found the short one is finishable in about 45 minutes. The medium was an hour to an hour and a half. I also played the short one with the advanced rules. And it slows down the gameplay a little bit, but it still finishes kind of quickly. I haven't necessarily found the game hard to beat, so there's different skills of victory, and you know I still haven't really gotten to a point where I could do decisive victories every time I play or anything like that. I think part of it is because the game is a bit random. 
when uh when you're playing there's like 100 cards or so in in the mind deck and you have eight face up each turn after you prospect on one you're gonna get to draw another now if this was a multiplayer game you might have two or three or you know four all six people drawing from that tableau of mind cards every turn which means you're gonna go through the deck pretty quickly in the solitaire game it's very stagnant so if there's something you don't like there you know you're kind of out of luck with those cards they're not going to go away you can prospect directly from the deck and see what card comes up and if you like it you buy it if you don't you don't have to take it you just leave it available face up but again it does still mean that those cards are just going to sit around and it's not going to cycle as quickly the passenger cards are also a bit mixed up there's a cards b cards and c cards and there's eight of each and you, you lay all the c cards face down randomly and then on top of that you put on top of each c card you then put one of the b cards randomly face down and then finally on top of the b cards you put one a card on top of each so you end up having eight stacks with three cards each and you basically have to buy the top cards to unlock the ones below them in order so the game tends to be pretty random mining tends to be pretty random because each turn when you go mine you have to roll a pair of dice to find out how much resources you manage to to mine or harvest and there's also a chance you're going to deplete the mine. And the chance can be pretty good depending on where the mine is and what it is. Um, for example, you're rolling 2d6. And on some of the mines, if you get a anything from a 2 to a 7, that mine becomes depleted. So it's, it's pretty likely that you might only get to use it once. So that's basically Silverton. It's a, it's a neat game it, with, a, with a fair bit of history built into the game, I think. It's satisfying to play it every time. The the setup time isn't too bad, though there are a lot of bits. The game uses paper money, which I don't know if I necessarily like. I tried using poker chips. It honestly didn't work as well as the paper money, maybe because I didn't have uh, as many as I needed. A little bit more about the two editions. The I kind of skimmed through the rules of the original edition. I, I only just borrowed it today from friend of the show, Tim. You know, the money is a... Uh, higher higher denominations in it for example when you you mine for gold in the original edition the highest value could go is 7000 in the newer edition it's only 400 so i think it's more or less a factor of 10 i think the scales are slightly different because in the original edition gold was 700 and copper was 4000 in the newer edition they're both 400 they're the same so I think the two games are going to play a little bit different, but probably not much. Also, the original game was only Colorado, and you could get a New Mexico expansion. The newer edition from Mayfair has that expansion on the map already, so you're playing the whole thing. So there you go. That's Silverton. It's a, I've found the game satisfying. I don't know if I would buy it strictly for solitaire play, but it's definitely a good solitaire game and a great multiplayer game from what I have seen. Okay, thanks for listening. Well, beep. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.